Hey, what up Long Beach? We are back from our short summer hiatus, bringing you another episode of your favorite local sports podcast, part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. As always, we are the 562.org. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gardabasio, and our education coverage kind of wrapping up for the year for the Long Beach Post as the school year is wrapping up, but still tons more great features at lbpost.com from your guys at the 562. I'm Tyler Hendrickson, reminding you that the 562.org is a local nonprofit media outlet. We actually have a year-end fundraiser going right now on GoFundMe. We've been blasting that out on social media. Be sure to follow us and uh, tap in with the fundraiser. Uh, We're really looking for some community support just to kind of get us going for the next school year. Uh, Obviously, the coverage that we provide is free of charge, but it is not free to produce. We do rely on the community to support us and make sure that we can pay our photographers, our videographers, writers, a bunch of talented people that we work with, and uh, that we can feed Mike's kids all the candy that they can eat. That's important, right, Mike? <laughs> Very important. Your, your dollars donated to the GoFundMe, which are tax deductible, will not go to buy my children candy, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> the crying you hear in the background is Mike's children. Also, at the 562.org right now, we are putting together our all-city awards for every single sport played here in Long Beach at the high school level. We've also got our moments of the year, top 10. We've got stuff for Long Beach State, LBCC, our comeback of the year, our game of the year, all of that end-of-year stuff. Perfect time to knock it out right now as we get into July, into getting ready for football season, which seems right around the corner. But let's take a moment to appreciate last year first. And you can do that at the562.org. Now, this is a very special episode, something we wanted to do for a while. And now it seems like the perfect time because Title IX is a huge issue in sports, not just American sports, but worldwide sports. And the anniversary of Title IX coming up has us sitting around talking and thinking about how much Long Beach actually has influenced something that has influenced so many people. Yeah, so we're recording this on Tuesday the 21st. Thursday, June 23rd is the 50th anniversary of Title IX. For those who don't know or who've only heard of it in a sports context, uh, it's actually a piece of federal uh, legislation that impacts so much more um, than sports. It's it's sort of an overall gender equality um, piece of legislation, but literally, you know, when it comes down to how um, sex assault cases are handled and investigated on college campuses. That also falls under Title IX. What sports fans and what we obviously talk about most with Title IX is the fact that it uh, basically mandated that all public schools need to have girls' sports opportunities in an equal uh, amount of opportunity as boys' sports. And this 50 years ago was enormously groundbreaking legislation. We've got a special episode about it today. As JJ mentioned, we're going to start off with uh, what sort of unique um, in Long Beach's role in starting it. We've also got a great interview with Crystal Irving, the Long Beach Poly track and field coach, who's a trailblazing figure herself and was recently named the CIF State's coach, uh, female coach of the year. Um, and then we'll talk uh, a little bit more about uh, us as sports writers you know, the opportunities that we've seen Title IX provide to people. So I I did want to give a little bit of context in the the Long Beach frame here. Long Beach was founded more or less by Midwestern farmers who moved to Southern California 
and kind of settled in Long Beach a little bit away from LA. And the result of that was even though the people who settled here were pretty conservative, Long Beach was a dry town for a couple of decades after it was founded, for example. That's um, not, there's a drought. That means they didn't sell alcohol. I feel like we got to gotta sometimes <laughs> reassure. Right. Yes. Now, now we're working, now we're worried about the drought and the only, the best way to get through it is to, you know, go down to your local watering hole. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but, but despite that conservatism, these were families who were living on farms in the late 1800s, early 1900s, which meant that their daughters worked. Um, their daughters were doing chores around the farm. They were uh, taking care of animals. They were taking care of crops. And as such, it was a completely alien idea to these sort of Midwesterners from a lot of them from Iowa that their girls, that their daughters would not be able to go and play basketball. They'd always played basketball or they'd run or whatever else. Or, or that the administrators at schools would look at them and say, oh, we don't want you to hurt yourself or you're not physically capable of doing this. It's like, this girl's up at 5 a.m. shoveling right. stuff. <laughs> shoveling, she can figure it out. Shoveling a barrel full of stuff. Um, <laughs> so what, what resulted, and you know, as Tyler and I were diving into our history of Long Beach Poly for our book, it's it's really fascinating to see how widespread girls' sports were at that school in the early 1900s. You had a girls' basketball team in the 19-aughts and 1910s that included a center who was six foot six, which I think is kind of hard to imagine what that would have looked like pre-World One. Um, they would regularly play because most high schools did not have girls' basketball teams. They would play college teams, intramural or official, what they called varsity college sports at the time. And win. And the poly girls basketball <laughs> team beat USC twice. They went 2-1 and one against USC uh, with a group of high school girls from Long Beach. So that's how far back that idea dates in Long Beach. And what we found, and this is obviously no um, smear upon anyone who currently works at the CIF, a little more than 100 years ago, the CIF has founded what's now the CIF Southern Section, they effectively banned girls' sports. They said, we are only boys' sports. They were much more what at the time was um, the prevailing thought of the kind of misogynistic world was that girls' sports would be bad for girls, that it would physically damage them. Very famously, there's a paper written by someone who says women should not be allowed to run in the New York and Boston marathons because their uteruses might fall out from all of the strain of running repetitively. That was how stupid the, the mindset was at the time. So that the creation of the CIF and the organizing of high school sports actually is what kind of shut down high school sports for girls in Long Beach because now that the boys' sports were organized, under this, there wasn't a place to organize the girls' sports, and so they kind of fell by the wayside. Um, there were some really serious casualties. We have some incredible pre-Title IX athletes in Long Beach who never got a chance to compete for their schools. They also dealt with sexism at their schools. Billie Jean King, who obviously is one of the greatest female athletes in American history and a trailblazer on several different fronts, not just on uh, gender equity. Um, Billie Jean King has told me to my face, her biggest regret in her life is she never got to put on a poly uniform. All she had was general PE available to her. All she wanted, she said, was to beat Wilson. She just, she just wanted to be able to go win a league championship at poly, and it wasn't available to her at the time. She had to watch her friends like Dee Andrews go and kill everybody in football and track, and then she's just playing general, you know, general ed uh, PE tennis against uh, other students. And all she could do, she couldn't play against Wilson. She could play Wimbledon. That was right. the, <laughs> and she would obviously go on and have quite a career there. And and it is it is fascinating those missed opportunities. And and you're you're talking about Mike like some of the thinking that that sounds so silly now because we know that obviously girls can 
should and will be playing sports and succeeding at it and, and having great careers. But it wasn't always that way. And, and we obviously can thank Title IX for, for giving them those opportunities. And, and if you're a girl growing up in Long Beach and maybe an athlete that we cover or, or used to cover, definitely, you know, this is a time to kind of reflect on you're lucky that you grew up in a world where you had these opportunities always and you didn't have to think about it because that has not always been the case by a long shot. And it wasn't that long ago. Mike, you were just like, oh, it's so silly to think that. It's like, that's like a person ago. I, I, you know what I mean? 50 years is like a lifetime. That's a one person ago. We're talking about this where you look back at it and it's like, okay, that was scientific thought, quote unquote. That, that's, that's where you're going with it. That's absolutely crazy. And the fact that it is so recent makes things like this more important. Makes anniversaries and taking a moment to be like, look at how far this thing has come. And there's still so much work left mm-hmm. to be done, right? Somebody was talking to me the other day about like, oh, do you think that the WNBA will ever be popular? I said, yes, absolutely, because basketball is popular. Do yourself a favor. Go back and watch men's basketball when they first started playing. I don't know, within the first 50 years of Naismith putting a peach basket up there. You know what it looks like? It looks like the WNBA. There's nobody flying above the rim. The game has changed, obviously. But these games and these sports evolve over time. It's been 50 years one person, dude. We need to continue to fight the good fight when it comes to this stuff. And we also need to continue to appreciate the fact that it's still kind of brand new in the grand scheme of things. Well, and I just want to highlight a couple of the pre-Title IX figures. We mentioned Billie Jean King, um, who we'll talk about more in a minute. But, you know, we had Susie Atwood, who's a student at Millican, who was literally competing in the Olympics um, while she was a student in Millican, who just had to take general PE classes because there wasn't a girl swim team. Um, Susie went and got a medal in uh, I believe it was Mexico City, came home and had her PE teacher mark her absent unexcused for the days that she missed because that's how sort of misogynistic this guy was that he's like, oh, you think just because you went and (laughs) were swimming in the Olympics, uh, I should give you some kind of special treatment. Yes, my answer is yes. (laughs) Right. Um, Joan Van Blum at Wilson, another figure who was pre-Title IX and cared so much about this that not only was she a groundbreaking American rower, you know, maybe the best American female rower in history, um, but she, she dedicated her life to it. She went to work for the Long Beach Unified School District, became their PE curriculum leader, was running their middle school pro- sports program, and really cared deeply about making sure that, as JJ said, like, if you've lived without these protections, it, you understand what it means. And so I think a lot of the younger kids and athletes now don't necessarily get that. But ask the people in our community. I mean, we were just at the Century Club banquet last night. Unfortunately, Jones passed away, but Susie's there. You're talking to these women who actually lived this. That, as they just said, I mean, they're not even that. It's not, we're not talking One about. We're not, yeah, we're not talking about 100 years ago. We're talking about people who are active members of our community who were a part of seeing this changed 50 years ago. And obviously, all those conversations have to really end with Billie Jean King because she was a, such a huge driver in getting that legislation passed, going up and down the halls of Congress, banging on doors, asking, can you help me make this fair for girls everywhere? That, that is a perfect segue right into another female legend at Long Beach Poly High School, Coach Crystal Irving, who's done incredible things on that campus, let alone with the track and field program. Yeah, a great conversation with Crystal. Got a chance to catch up with her right before the state meet um, a couple of weeks ago and just kind of reflect on her career and, and being a trailblazer, not only as a woman, but also as a black woman. Um, we think maybe the first black woman to win a state championship in California as a head coach, definitely the first in Long Beach. 
and uh, in, in the areas around Long Beach, but was a, a trailblazer as an athlete, as a coach, um, and as she reflects on, comes from a family of trailblazers as well. When they first reached out to me, um, I knew it was the anniversary of the uh, 50 year for Title IX. And they let me know that myself and two other women were chosen as coach of the year to represent yeah. CIF. And they wanted to do a full, like, sit down interview and add pictures, the whole yeah. thing. So um, we were able to accomplish that a few months ago. Yeah. And then they actually sent me the link a couple months ago. Okay, cool. I just never posted it because, right. one, it's about my team. Yeah, for sure. And I think, oh, maybe when the season's over, yeah. you know, um, my plate is always beyond full. Yeah, for sure. And um, <laughs> this year has been even more because all of these babies have never been to state right. except for Jalen Knox yeah. on the 4 by 4 and Lolo, which is Lauren Reed, yeah. on the 4 by one Yeah. So the mental that it's taken to get through this season has been more than any other. Yeah, for because sure. Because trying to educate the athletes, the parents. We're kind of restarting the whole program and everything. It's a restart. Yeah, right. Um, even when it was time for us to go to state, I knew ahead of time. That's why I booked my hotel last June. Right. Because I knew the rates would be too high if I waited. Yeah, yeah. I booked my bus in January. Right, right. Because I knew there would be none if I waited. Yeah. Because I had the faith that my right. team was going to be here and do well. So um, once everything was said and done, uh, some friends of mine seen it, I guess, on ESPN or something. They were oh, airing okay. it. So a couple people started calling me. And I'm like, oh, thank you, yeah. thank okay. you. But then this morning, my friend Sabrina... Davis, she's like, I'm so proud of you. And then she posted on Facebook. And then that now it's, and I said, uh, right. And then you had to turn your phone off for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, I was like, let me get it now. But I said, okay, let me go ahead and just share her post. Right. And then share the link. And then now it's gone viral. Yeah. So. Um, you know, one thing, like when Tyler and I were doing the research for the, the book on the history of Polly, one thing that struck me was how far ahead of its time the school has always been mm -hmm. on women athletes and women in sports. Mm -hmm. Like there was a girls basketball team in 1907 mm -hmm. with a six foot eight girl this, and they're beating USC and stuff like that, mm -hmm. right? Um, you made history, obviously you made history as a coach, but you also made history as an athlete at the school. Do you feel like that's always been part of the school's identity, I guess, that, that women are lifted up and girls are considered as important in sports as, as boys are? Absolutely, because I know, also being an athletic director, I see that the equality is so important and we're making sure that our female athletes get just as much notoriety as, as our male athletes. And a lot of times our girls' programs from basketball, um, volleyball, Realistically, field. they're the ones bringing home the hardware. They're bringing home right. the hardware. <laughs> and not just here and there, but year after year. They're yeah. always in the playoffs or they're always, they may not be the top team, but they're going to be the top competition. Right. And they're going to put on a show. Yeah. So year after year, um, Polly has been on the map coming up in other sports as well. And even uh, <laughs> the whole female football squad yeah, yeah, yeah. The, right the powder puff it game. was so it was so competitive there were several fights yeah. <laughs> every, everyone's super competitive right all stemming from football but just wanting to do well yeah. wanting to shine wanting right. to do their best so i'm just excited about um 
where sports have come from. Because yeah. even my mom, she was a total athlete, but she graduated from Poly in 1954. So there wasn't as much for her right. at that time. So being able to be her offspring, be her child, come back to Poly and get back to where I grew up yeah. has been an amazing experience. Um, and and with the kids, they like, so Miss Irvin, where'd you grow up? Down the street, right across right. from your house, and right. <laughs> right from here. Like, right. there's nothing more special about me yeah. than anyone else. Right. And being under the tutelage of Papa Don, him being my coach in high school, and my community embracing me, it's just meant a lot because some of those same people who had embraced me as an athlete are supporting me now as a coach. Yeah. And gaining their respect, even when Papa Don stepped away, it took a moment, but yeah. they're still here. So I'm very thankful and very blessed to have the support I have from the community, um, from CIF. Um, I'm very thankful they thought enough of me. Yeah. Even though my mom always taught me, just work and your blessings will come. I'm not going to ask someone to uplift me. I'm always going to be humble. Right. And I've always been like that, even as an athlete. Whatever yeah. I need to do, I'm going to do. If I can do it myself, I'm going to do it. If I need help, I'll ask. You have to tell me to sit down because right. I won't. Right. <laughs> um, one thing that's special about you, though, that is different is you mentioned Papa Don and, you know, Carl Bugs. There have been so many great male coaches of girls who've won championships and helped lead them but you you know you're the first woman in long beach history the first black woman in long beach history to win a state championship as a coach and you're bringing that energy not being a man coaching girls but being a woman coaching girls what do you think um that says about you or about the school or the culture of the city that you know you've had that success and, and been able to be a trailblazer in, in that way i think the fact that I was here for all the previous championships makes a difference yeah um the fact that when i was running myself in 1987 uh we lost state by one point and that would have been the first year that polly would have won yeah the state championship but it was the first year polly won the mile relay okay. for the first time and i spit 52.8 so and that's when i was a junior yeah so that legacy started a long time ago Don started putting that in me a long time ago because um, he was actually the boys coach. Right. But there weren't enough girls to give me the type of competition I needed in practice to so I could excel. Yeah. So I worked with Papa Don then. Um, and honestly, I ran the one and two and long jump and I just happened to run the four right. and took second at state my right. sophomore right. year. Right. <laughs> so it was like, oh, Okay, yeah. I guess this is my new event, and I grew to love it, yeah. as well as the 200. Um, but I'm thankful for being here, learning, taking notes, asking questions, not assuming I know everything, because every year I feel it's something I can do better. Mm. And the coaches I have around me either have been on my team, right, or like Keith Anderson, He's been here 30 plus years. Doc has been here 23, 24. I've been here 25. It just means that we know what it takes from Cameron, from Dietra, because they've all been yeah. a part of it. So they know that what the expectation is. We coach everybody. Right. Because we can't control who we bring into Poly, but we can control 
making sure everyone gets the best of us. Yeah. And it's not because of the money we make. It's just because we love the sport. Well, it's for sure not the money that you make, no. right? <laughs> no. um, I think the, the last thing I wanted to point out, because we're doing a bigger story on the anniversary of Title IX, too, is, you know, Billie Jean King, obviously a great poly alum, was, was one of the reasons that that got passed. Like, she's Correct. walking up and down the halls of Congress, knocking on doors. And when we interviewed her, she said... She's like, you know, it was really personal for me. Like, I won Wimbledon. I won all these things. But I always regret for the rest of my life, I never got to win a Moore League championship. I never got to compete for Polly yeah. because they didn't have, you know, she just was playing tennis in PE in high school. Right. <laughs> Killing these kids. Right. So does it give you, to, to be honored in conjunction with Title IX, does it give you a little extra pride to be part of that jackrabbit history with her and so many other great women in, oh in the history God. of the school? Absolutely. To even be mentioned in the same sentence gives me chills. And the fact that... As much well as I speak now, I was a very shy young lady. And you know this from firsthand. Yeah. I never want to do interviews. Right. But now I'm a little more comfortable to open my mouth because I used to have a speech impediment where I stuttered. So I would start sweating. I would just, I don't know what to say. Every other word was like, I guess, I think. Right. Where now my thoughts are clear. I know what I want to say, and I don't have a problem articulating that. But I share that with other young ladies, like, oh, no, Mature, I, mean, I, I, I don't want to get up. I don't want to speak. I said, I used to be you, and I used to be shy, and I used to be very quiet. I said, but he's like, you would never know. I said, you would never know now. And that's the lesson, right? And so yep. Don kept putting me up in front. No, go ahead, speak, speak, and different ones. My high school counselors, Miss Timson in high school was my counselor. Um, family members, my cousin Keisha Irving, like, go ahead, you can do it. Yeah. Um, just great support. And just knowing that, yeah, both my parents, like, my mom went to Long Beach City, but that was it. My dad has a ninth grade education. Yeah. That's it. Coming from huge families, but there's so many athletes. Right. Most of them playing basketball or doing something else. Yeah, yeah I played basketball, but 15 rebounds and we lose them, like, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> I said, track and field? Oh, I can win as an individual. Oh, okay. I'm, I think I'm going to do track. That's right, right, right. Um, yeah, <laughs> what else can you say about your family? I know, obviously, you know, Keisha's doing great things with Jordan, but you, you mentioned to me that your mom and dad were kind of trailblazers themselves, right? Right. Actually, my grandmother, um, Annie Mae King, um, she was one of the first business owners of Lake and King Funeral Home in Long Beach. Um, my grandpa, who passed before I was born, which was her husband, he was one of the first black men to have a gas station in Long Beach right off of MLK, which used to be California Avenue. Right. Um, and own, you know, different property and things of that nature. And they moved here from Louisiana. So coming to California and setting the tone for what was needed. Plus, my dad came from a family of 16, originally from Georgia. Um, so just coming from hardworking people maybe not the most educated people but people who will give you their last give you the shirt off their back um never too prideful always humble those are my beginnings incredible interview and again thank you to coach irving for taking the time at the cif state meet and just being so candid because like we said before the interview that's what we need we need times like this to appreciate how far we come and how far we can still go you know, when Mike and I first started the sports website here in Long Beach uh, 15 years ago, geez, that's been a long time. Um, one of the things we first did without even having to talk about it was just be like, well, we're not just going to cover football. 
We're going to cover everything. Because in a city like this, in a city like Long Beach, you have to because everything is available. And there was times really early in our careers where people were shocked that we were covering girls volleyball in the fall or softball in the spring. And it was never even a decision to us. It's like, we're going to cover the city of Long Beach and its sports community. That's at least half and sometimes even more. Well, yeah, one of the things I'm most proud of, um, you know, we've been fortunate to win a lot of awards over the last 15 years, but um, the CIF Southern section recognized us with a Champions for Character Award specifically for um, our coverage of girls sports. Um, Most of our award-winning features have been about uh, female athletes, either at the high school or collegiate level. Um, And that's something we take really seriously is you're not just going to, um, and without getting too technical here, if you look at some publications, you'll see they have kind of their A-listers that go cover football, basketball, baseball. And they have some freelancers or maybe some B-tier people who will go and cover girls basketball, volleyball, you know, as JJ was mentioning. Um, We always wanted to show up and cover those events. And what's funny about it to me is um, we do receive a lot of positive feedback for doing that. And as JJ said, like, this was not something we ever talked about. It kind of bums me out. It kind (laughs) of bums me out that people give us feedback for that stuff because it's like, yeah, that should be normal. We shouldn't be the outliers. Well, and especially because in a city like Long Beach, um, that's where the talent is. You know, that's where more than 50% of the talent is. More than two-thirds, I think a little bit less than three-quarters of the championships won in Long Beach in the last 15 years have been won by girls' teams at the high school level. So, of course— We should do some counting on scholarships next year and see how much more the girls raised than the boys. (laughs) Uh, It would have beat them by a couple million dollars this year um yeah i mean but that's you know if if we look at some of the best teams that we've covered you talk about the girls basketball teams at poly and the track and field teams obviously um but also going to the olympics right like when you said track and field and that's immediately the first thing i thought of like when we went to the olympics in 2012 in london i'd say it was two-thirds women we were covering two-thirds of the athletes from long beach there were women um long beach has had multiple athletes on the women's water polo olympic team every year since that sport was added in the olympics which as we've talked about, the need for progress was, you know, about 90 years after the men's sport was it was added at the Olympic level. Um, and one thing that makes me really happy is um, some people – I think Sports Illustrated did a big feature about this at the uh, last non-COVID Olympics. But if you look at America's domination of the Olympics, it's really the women who've been doing it. And the real reason that that's happened is because of Title IX. Mm-hmm. You know, because women have the opportunity to go compete collegiately, it serves as this springboard – we actually are the worst national team structure of any major country in China or even in the UK, anywhere. If you're good enough to compete in the Olympics, that country's national team program puts you on salary. We don't do that here. We just say we have enough athletes who got to play in college sports that they can afford to find sponsorship or raise the money themselves or whatever to train. But it's literally just because we've given so many young girls the chance to go to college and play sports and develop. That's why we've been a dominant Olympic force. I mean, they're winning almost twice as many medals as the men in some Olympics. So I think that's worth noticing as well. This has been a winning formula in Long Beach and for the country as well. Yeah, I mean, success will follow, but you have to provide that opportunity and you have to have that pathway. And then once, you know, a a few successful athletes break through, they set the example. You know, girls grow up and they want to be Mia Hamm. Then they want to be Alex Morgan. And each 
each generation, that player gets better. You know what I mean? You start out and you've got the, you know, Cheryl Coopers and you've got the Lisa Leslie's and Candace Parker and, you know, the next generation of athlete will just continue to evolve the game and, and you'll just have more opportunity. The more girls that are playing, the more you're going to find the diamond in the rough that maybe didn't know they had this natural ability and then they find out, oh, wow, I'm incredible, you know, and it's and it's great to see those stories, you know, she's not quite from Long Beach, but Chloe Kim from nearby, you know, talk about a, a young trailblazer in that sport that maybe is going to influence who knows how many, you know, athletes to, to hop on a snowboard and do some things that have never happened. Um, and, and so that's, it's really inspiring to see. And it's, you know, like you were pointing out earlier, JJ, it's like, it is a, a process over time. And once the opportunity is provided, it takes time to get going, but now we can see how much it's flourishing. And, and I also think in Long Beach specifically, we did have some really, you know, some coaches, and we talked about this a few weeks back, um, at Long Beach State with some of the women's programs that they had yeah. that were really successful early on. Um, Brian Gimilaro, we, we went kind of in depth with, with the women's volleyball program and Joan Bondesini at, with the women's basketball teams. So we have had some early success and, you know, some players, you know, you look at Penny Toller, who's now you know a pioneer, um, you know, in the front office and working with, with the Sparks and everything. And so these athletes get opportunities, then they get into the infrastructure and they've been through it and they make sure that it's a more fertile ground for the next generation to come through. And, um, you know, it's just continued growth, but you have to protect it and you have to continue to, to nurture this and make sure that those opportunities are still there and the success will follow. And it certainly has at, at the Olympic level and more locally in Long Beach, which we love. It's an incredible way to wrap it up, Tyler. It's a uh, trickle down athletics. We're absolutely here for it. Except this time, this time it's going to work. Uh, big shouts to all of our sponsors, obviously Naples Rib Company and everybody else who is at the 562.org. Right now where you can sponsor a sport, a school, a team, whatever you want, get at us. The subscribe button's on the top. You can email any of us. It's just our first names at the 562.org. And spread the word. If somebody doesn't know what we're talking about on this podcast, Title IX and what it's done, show it to them. Let them know. Long Beach sports community. It's undefeated, man. I'll talk to you later. Peace.